What up, what up, hoes? So today on our episode, we do just want to give a content trigger warning as we do mention sexual assault. Hey, you. Okay, you bitch. Um. Oh, we're doing it now. What up, what up? Welcome to another fabulous episode of Two Happy Hoes. This is Rachel on the mic. And your girl, Chelsea. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Before we get started, I just wanted to do a quick plug. If folks follow us on the social media or are subscribed to our newsletter, we are doing our season three finale. It's going to be a Hashtag white people are not okay panel. We are going to have a panel of our fewly, few white people that we know on a panel. I won't even say no. We know more white people. We just don't associate with them. Yeah, that is true. Um, so we, these are hand picked fresh from the crop white people um, that we are going to have. oh yes uh uh, mayo sapiens um on the panel and um (laughs) we're hoping it's going to be a really fun time we really want you to submit any questions that you have it could be from why y'all don't wash yourselves to you know uh why do you get your dog in the mouth Right. Like it could literally be the most silly, flagrant fucking question that you've always wanted to ask a white person, but have literally never gotten the chance to. So feel free to submit your questions. The link is in our bio on our Instagram um, and just in our link tree. Um, So if you go on our website and you go to our listen now button, um, you'll also find a link to it as well. But just want to put a quick plug in there because we are collecting questions until October 4th. Um, And then the week after we are hoping to um, have the episode. And I think it's going to be, I think I'm going to have fun. I'm excited. I have some questions to ask myself. Yeah, no, I have hella questions that I really want to ask, but we really want your input. Um, and they're all anonymous. So uh, no, only you will know if yes. you listen to the episode, only you will know if you ask that question. Um, we're not going to be like so-and-so from New York City is <laughs> wants to know why. We're not going to, you know, Aaron Cohen, like a <laughs> reunion special. We're, we're good. <laughs> So, uh, and with that, we are going to, um, get started with our two bitter bitches. Um, so what are you mad about today, Chelsea? I mean, this is a stark, awkward transition because (laughs) today I am bitter about white men. I mean, valid. Like there's just been obviously white men be white men in every single day. Um, but yeah, just stuff at work, um, with white men that just really been rubbing me the wrong way. And then we got the white men apologists, you know, who mm-hmm. run up behind them and 
you know, want to justify their actions and behaviors. And I just, I, and it's just like, people want to act like, specifically, I'm going to say women, but and Black women are so sensitive about this topic, but like, they're so violent. Like, they're literally so violent. So like, I'm not overreacting, like I'm really underreacting. Mm-hmm. because the fact that I don't scream every time I see one of you or um, <laughs> <laughs> like run away lock my door I do do I do like to do that though like when I see a white man I'll clutch my purse <laughs> it's like ah I saw a ghost like <laughs> no, holy but shit that, but you know how like white women love to like cross the street when a black man's coming by or like oh yeah get out I the know. elevator I love to do that when I see white men and I like to do it when I see actually I love to do it more when I see white women but, yeah because they petty they'll take it as a personal attack which it is it, I, is. it, it is at you okay but yeah like I'm just like stop like y'all are really just mad because black women are the shit absolutely and yeah. you know and it is what it is so like get the fucking step in like I don't I don't even want to spend a lot of time on them but I'm bitter about white men and their existence <laughs> absolutely super valid so what are you mad about <laughs> I am mad about this little Instagram shadow ban I mean um, right they think that they're slick they but but I know exactly because I I basically run all the social media and stuff like that. So I've seen the the numbers, I've seen the likes, I've seen the analytics. And specifically, it's really interesting, at least to me, because lately I've been doing these hashtag you don't need them sis posts where, you know, I'll just put a bunch of like funny TikTok videos or memes or stuff that I see on Twitter and social media. And we get a lot of people that like engage with them, which is amazing. Like keep doing it. However, when I do my hashtag Wapano, it's like too much for them to handle for their algorithm. Um, and even if I try to manipulate it to where, you know, I'm not actually using the term like white people, or, you know, if I just limit it to a pano, like they, they offer a pano. Yeah. Like they, they know. And so I find it interesting that it's like, so you don't care if we drag the fuck out of men, but you know, then once we say a white person, it's all of a sudden like, Ooh, this is too racy <laughs> pun, <laughs> but I'm just saying like, I didn't mean to do that, but I'm just saying like, it's, it's annoying me because then also on my own social media, like my personal account, my stories have gone from like literally 170 plus people viewing them to sometimes in the course of 20 hours, like 30, Mm. like And I'm like, that's specific. Like you, so uh, with this, I do want to, cause I don't think everyone knows this, but if you go into your settings, um, there is a place where you, cause essentially Instagram introduced this sensitive content control. Um, and so if you go into your settings, you can actually turn that off. 
Um, and so a lot of people that are social justice activists, community organizers that are having important conversations about race and racism, anti-blackness, ableism, fat phobia, all these things, I guess, maybe not patriarchy because they seem not to care, but I'm just saying all the other, all the other important work that folks are doing is being literally hidden because Instagram is too afraid that it's like literally calling it sensitive when it's like, it it's not, we're just having, we're trying to update the public on real education about shit. So yeah, if you go to your settings, um, I don't know exactly where, but, um, there is a, yeah, it's a sensitive content control and just make sure that it's turned off. Um, and I, I promise you, you will, most of the accounts that you have followed or continue to follow that post like social justice stuff or radical stuff will probably pop up more than those Instagram models. Um, yeah. So just, just putting it out there. Instagram and its shadow ban has been fucking me over for the past couple months now. Fuck them. Fuck you, Mark Zuckerberger. And uh, <laughs> on the read, Mark Zuckerberger. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, fuck you. Um, and yeah, just make sure that your settings are. I guess if you you I do want to leave it on, I'm yeah. Give a little um, mm-hmm. tutorial. So if you go to settings. Um, then account. If you go down, there's sensitive content control. And mine was, it says default limit. You may see some photos and videos that could be upsetting or offensive. Um, And then there's one that says limit even more. You may see fewer, blah, blah, blah. But then there's one where you click allow and it says you may see more sensitive um, photos and videos. So um, if you do that, then that will probably help with what um content that you see so you won't um have to deal with as much banned content mm-hmm. yeah and so obviously this is a plug for us but i think it's also a plug for like small zines small like publications uh as i said community organizers and activists like people that are doing like really good work that are just being like silenced Silent. on social media so um yeah, just a, uh, that's not our whole tip today, but that is kind of a whole tip. So <laughs> look at the bonus content. <laughs> yes. Uh, but outside of ugly ass white men, um, what are you happy about? It also kind of has to do with ugly ass white men. <laughs> I'm sick. Yes. Okay. So I'm going to talk about this a, a little later in the episode, but I went on vacation and I went on a private yacht for the first time. Okay. So a bitch is a part of the bourgeoisie, the 1%. Okay. And it was literally everything. Like I've been stressed as fuck with this PhD situation. So that vacation was already much needed. But being on that yacht with the, the ocean breeze just blowing on my face, being served shots in homemade, like ready made food and like just staring at the I think it was the Pacific Ocean I'm not a dumbass like there's like the bay on that side of like the Baja Peninsula and then on the other side is the Pacific Ocean I don't know which side I was on but oh my gosh it made me so happy like like people say like being in the sun like vitamin d can really do that to you and 
it brought me so much joy. Like being on that yacht, just out there floating and flouncing and living my best life. I can't take a regular vacation again, bitch. Look, I only bitch. I literally hats off to you because I sit there and tell Kevin all the time. I'm like, we need to make rich white friends. I'll, I'll handle. I'll literally live in. I'll settle for the anti-blackness. You live in like rich white utopia. I know. I know. But like, we haven't made those friends yet. So I'm just like, I, I just need one with a boat. That's really it. I will handle the microaggressions. Like I'll deal with it. I'll deal with it all. I'll deal with them talking about poor people and shitting all over them. I know that sounds bad, but I just want one time on a motherfucking yacht. Okay. I just, I literally, my friend's husband like booked it for us for her birthday. And I, I thank this man probably 20 times. It wasn't yeah. even my fucking birthday. I'm like, thank you so much. Thank oh you so my God. much. Like, it just made me so happy. Like I like I'll talk about it a little later, but yeah, that that fucking yacht made me happy. What you happy about, sis? Less exciting than, you know, living like the one percent. Um, but I and I'll talk about this later too during our Oshi Trippin segment, but Um, I just got back from the second school that I work at and I had a really great time connecting with the students and it was like so genuine and these students are just like literally starved for representation in any capacity Mm. of people of color Mm. because it's, it's, in a rural part of, um, the new England area where the college is situated. And even for me, I was like, damn, this is, I will say though, this is an off note, but new England, uh, falls or like, uh, the autumn in the changing of the colors, like the dramatic, like reds and oranges, like, it's just such a pretty drive. Wait, it's already turning. mm -hmm. Yeah. So (laughs) So when you get here, Yeah, (laughs) but I will say like, it's, it's so gorgeous, but where I was situated and the college is situated, it's in the sticks. Okay. And uh, (laughs) but the drive was nice. Yeah. The drive was nice and it was super easy, but it was just so nice to get to connect with the students. And like, we were talking about shit, like anti-blackness to narcissism, to the lack of therapy connects like um all of those things and um it was just it was just so nice to be able to connect with the students um and then also just another work-related note because now leaving res life um (laughs) it's just nice to be treated now like a professional Mm -hmm. like an actual trusted professional now where people actually respect and defer to my judgment around things and allow me to make my own decisions. Like literally Mm -hmm. it's, it's almost, and I thrive in no structure, but it's almost like literally no structure Mm. like that. I get a little anxious because I'm like, I, I don't know. Um, (laughs) what's a bitch to do? And one of my supervisors who is, well, the former president, because he's stepping down, but he was like, 
honestly, Rachel, just treat yourself like a dean. Like if you need to be a part of a meeting, like put yourself in there. Like if you want to do this, just do it. And I'm like, okay, you know, and it's just don't tell me that bitch. I ain't coming. (laughs) Going from literal like micromanagement to the highest and like being gaslit, you know, (laughs) in toxic work environments, particularly in a place like Res Life. Um, to now having full autonomy around like what I decide, what I do, what I think is best is just wild. So amazing. I can't say like everything is peaches and cream, but that's just, yeah, but that's just like a happy home moment. And then lastly, um, also (laughs) this may be TMI, but all hot girls have digestive issues, which Mm -hmm. I am one of them. And my digestive issues have literally subsided. I shouldn't say subsided, but they've just been so much better, um, than they have like literally ever since I've been 12. (laughs) Um, so (laughs) it's just, it's been been a long road, friend. Yeah. Um, and as someone that just struggles with like IBS and like different sensitivities to food and stuff like that, you know, you never know what's going to come next. You know, you eat something and you're like, hmm, like is this wonder what they surprise. <laughs> right. <laughs> Am I going to get the rocks or the runs? I don't know. So I'm just, <laughs> uh, but <laughs> it's, it's just, talk- I mean, I can't remember the last time I had the rocks or it was like constipated. <laughs> That's literally, so that is my IBS. Like that's, I could go like days without going. And Mm -hmm. lately I have been having a healthy BM every day. And so I'm like, wow, is this what it's like to not be in a toxic relationship in a toxic work environment? Like (laughs) as I home life, bitch, you thriving. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I'm sitting here. It really is like, peaches and cream like I'm not gonna like obviously like the like we have our own petty fights and stuff like that but literally like I feel so comfortable in my own home space like and honestly the last time that I felt that was when I lived with you but that was obviously like a lot of my stress obviously a different dynamic too though <laughs> and a lot of brain grits the right i was just about to say and a lot of my stress was like literally dictated by um grad school and like all that shit so now that i don't have that i'm like wow this is this is nice like i don't have to like girl this is not <laughs> but yeah so um that's what i'm happy about um and yeah but i guess to transition moving on we are gonna talk about you don't need them sis y'all just fired me up today honey (laughs) so tell us who we're talking about today chelsea today we are talking about the rape apologists um yeah like the men who are caping for their homeboys who they know are like assaulting and harassing women who are violent against women, specifically sexual violence. Um, He a good person, like free my nigga Joe. Like, no, lock Joe's ass up and throw him (laughs) under the jail. (laughs) And we, you know, and we prison abolitionists, but this is one thing we don't fuck around about, okay? 
Mm-hmm. We don't fuck around about this, okay? Um, and I obviously in a lot of celebrity news, we hear about um sexual assaults of like well-known celebrity men specifically. Um, and then we have the the stands or so-called stands or the the hoteps following behind them, like still supporting them, um, like the Bill Cosby supporters. And shoot, we even got women supporting Bill Cosby, the R. Kelly supporters, the Kodak Blacks, the the Trey Songs, the Takeoffs, the Drakes, all of those. Um, and I really have come to terms with I can't really separate the the artists, the the creative from like those like the art from the artists and those actions because I'm just like I just can't do it but the lack of accountability um not just of those who are committing these heinous acts but those who are their supporters is like disgusting mm-hmm. it, it really is disgusting especially when I think about um I mean we see this in our everyday life right like we probably all know someone who has assaulted someone has been assaulted or they know their homeboy has assaulted um and you don't speak up or hold them accountable or you're still okay fucking what's what's this man's name Nicki Minaj's husband oh my god ew like that that is the most probably prevalent rape apologist uh trash that I've seen in the media recently um, and this girl is steady standing behind this man. I saw like girl, Nikki, Onika, Nicholas, <laughs> please, baby, please. <laughs> you know, the pick me hoes like and it's so sad. And why too. are you a fucking pick me, bitch? You can have any nigga you I, want. I was just about to say that. I'm like, it's a fucking Nicki Minaj. But you know what? I'm not even going to lie. Like she spent so long with Safari and like a he was also like an ancient nigga too and like all these things like it just shows that no matter how much success or beauty or fame that you have like men are still not going to be shit regardless but like you need to choose to do better and be better like especially the women that are like standing behind them or like the pick me hoes and I do understand in some aspect like uh Nikki being like well that's my husband which I don't know why she chose to do that in the first place yeah she married this man and she already knew yeah yeah, but it's go go ahead and it's also the additional like harassment that they've like sent um, upon the victim and their mm -hmm. family right and so I'm just like literally you're so fucking weird like And that just shows me that it's like you are willing to like cape for like, I feel like deep down, if you're if you're doing that, if you're like going out of your way to harass and try and silence like the survivor deep down, then, you know, you know that you're married to like literally a piece of shit like, you know, that like deep down, even if you won't say it out loud, you know that your man (laughs) is a fucking rapist or an abuser or an assaulter, whatever, what have you. And you're sitting there trying to cover up the tracks to honestly make yourself feel better that you 
that you chose this person, that you are not willing to leave this person. And that's what really we're yeah. not here. I'm not here I'm to like slander Nicholas. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we we also do believe in justice and all, but it's kind of like, and specifically, like, I know someone who has a friend, like, I know a man who has a friend who is also a man who has assaulted someone. And like, I feel like, and I say I know them because we are no longer friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, the way you justify and victim blame and cape for, I can't do it. Cause what if that was me? Right. It was me. Not by that person, but it's just like. Right. A friend of my enemy is no friend of mine. And I also feel like, and that's, that's the thing. Statistically, you know, you do know someone that has been assaulted or raped, Mm -hmm. but you need to sit there and ask yourself because then, you know, men will come out and be like, well, no one's told me about it. And it's like, why is that? Why? Why? Why would they not feel oh so comfortable to let you of all people who just seem so open to being so validating of their experiences know <laughs> about that so, they're a survivor? Like it's it, you really need to sit there and check in with yourself around like what kind of spaces are you creating for your female friends and for your non-man friends to to not know about that. And that's not to say that every survivor needs to sit there and talk openly about those things. But I know in spaces I'm in. Yeah. Like the language you're using, like you said, the environment that you create Mm -hmm. um, knowingly and unknowingly, because if you're over there um, blasting um, R. Kelly, like I'm not about to talk to you about this shit. (laughs) I, I was talking to someone and I forget. So if anyone listens to this and remembers it's them, let me know. But someone went on a date with someone. Maybe it was just a social media thread. I don't know. But um, they were talking to someone real deep and heavy. And then one day, I guess they were like, they brought up R. Kelly or something, or we're talking about a song or we're listening to a song. And the person was like, you know, why are, why are you listening to that? Or like, why? Like, R. Kelly's canceled. Like, what the fuck are you doing? And then I guess the dude was like, yeah, but it's a shame, you know, that like he he's lost his whole career and like all this stuff. And I'm like blocked, delete, like, who the fuck are you? Like it's in and I have very it's the justification in. the Yeah. And I. And I, I have my own thoughts on cancel culture and all of these pieces and disposability politics and all that stuff. And I, I'm a firm prison abolitionist. And also I believe in accountability Mm -hmm. and especially when it's an, an artist, like a celebrity, um, the only way to actually get to them is through their pockets. Right. Yeah. And so through their wealth. And so if you're sitting there actively still supporting them, actively still funding their relevance in society and their wealth, like that, that's where you cannot separate the art and the artist. Yes. And before the hoteps come in here talking about why are you only talking about black men, um, little nasty, what's his name? <laughs> Harvey Weinstein and, um, 
I don't even know white people's names. That's I just feel like you know who white, I'm talking about. They may most white men are me. rapists. Most white men are rapists, like especially power white, uh, powerful Andrew white Cuo- men. Andrew Cuomo, y'all's yeah, beloved but- governor, like. <laughs> And that's why I was just saying, like, yeah, okay, we're, first of all, culturally, come on, we know who we're talking about here. And then second of all, we know that most white men are violent. Go see Exhibit A, Two Bitter Bitches, okay? We know that most white men are violent. So, like, in my head, uh, as much as it's, like, still devastating and it's still, like, horrible, I'm not surprised when I see a Harvey Weinstein sit there and, like, other man's name yo jeffrey epstein jeffrey epstein oh all these steens but (laughs) i'm just saying like it's just (laughs) the european americans child we know that most white men are violent we know that most men are violent but especially when you amplify that racially like in my head when i see a rich powerful white man you think I'm sitting there thinking he's never done anything violent to a woman ever Mm. that, you know, like that's where you need to sit back and be like, you know, maybe reflect a little bit. Um, right. And obviously we are talking about celebrities, but as, as we were talking about, like it goes way deeper than that. Right. It's a societal, norm that men are allowed to abuse rape and be violent towards women um and so yeah if you are a friend stop caping for your abusive ass homeboys it's hard you might have to grieve because you valued that relationship but like also like what do you value more right do you and that's really the question do you value like supporting a survivor or do you value like just just being friends with basically not rocking the boat because I feel like that's that's a lot of that's the the one right there people don't want it people we're raised to be so afraid of conflict in all of these pieces um, not me girl you know I live a conflict honey <laughs> right but most most, most people, people I will are. say we are not trained and or socialized to handle conflict productively and or like healthily um and so I understand like a lot of people that don't want to sit there and address their friend who may have raped or abused um a woman or a non-man or someone that they know um a lot of it is rooted in honestly their own fear of mm-hmm. rejection or yeah. their own fear of retaliation or all of these things and so i would argue it's such a powerful act to actually like stand and, uh, yeah hold yeah. your friends accountable um yeah and and we can get into the whole um conversation around consent and what that looks like because I think like Ooh, there's also yeah because there's also like um I think um a lot of conversations about like what does it look like when two friends get like super drunk and then have sex like what does that look like you know like consent mm-hmm. consent does look differently across like different relationships and across different things. And I think societally we've grown, grown to this idea of like, you know, 
enthusiastic yes means consent, which it does. And mm-hmm. I also think like in smaller dynamics and smaller relationships, a lot of couples or friendships or stuff like that will have, yeah. com- will have conversations around like what consent actually does look like within their own relationship. And so understanding that consent does not actually look the same for every partnership or every relationship dynamic that you see. Um, but we should still be operating from an idea of, you know, yes means yes. Um, enthusiastic consent. Right. Um, but yeah, maybe yeah. we should have a consent episode. We should, <laughs> but yeah, if you're a rape apologist, you don't, you need to stop. And if you know, a rape apologist, you don't need them sis. And with that, we're going to take a break. What up, what up host. So today on our POC business shout out, we are shouting out Rowan consulting LLC Rowan's Consulting LLC is a public speaking and justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion educational consulting firm. If you want to learn more about Rowan Consulting, you can hit them up on their website at www.rowensconsulting.com. You can also follow them over on Facebook at Rowan's Consulting, as well as on Twitter and Instagram at mx rowan and if you have an inquiry you can hit them up via email at rowan.consultant at gmail.com now let's get back to the show All right, so we're back and we're going to talk about Oshi Trippin. So where are you going? Where have you been? Yeah, so I, <laughs> so I just got back from Vermont and Maine. Um, Maine was gorgeous, at least the part that I was in. I still haven't gone to Portland, Maine because I'm saving that to go with Chelsea. Um, but... Um, which I have heard great things about Portland, Maine. Um, but I went to Bar Harbor, which was like literally top five most beautiful places I've been to. Stars Hollow vibes? No, it's actually more of kind of like a sea town oh. kind of coast vibe. Okay. Um, almost like kind that. of a. a a very, very small Seattle vibe. Um, there's like, there's like trees and lush and foliage. And then it's like right next to the ocean. Um, and so the campus I went to was literally right behind them is the ocean. And then five minutes away is a national park. So, yeah. So like this place is like gorge. I cannot, I cannot fucking lie. Um, and it was just, it was a really pretty experience. I hated driving for the last, uh, 45 minutes of that drive. Cause I am a pedal to the metal ass bitch. And these bitches do not know how to fucking drive. They love to be leisurely and act like the speed limit is an actual thing we should follow. So anyway, uh, <laughs> Maine. And then I just got back from Vermont. Um, as I said, the, the trees, the changing of autumn, it's just been, 
it's and I grew up in the Midwest, so it's like I I know all seasons, but there it hits different just with all the foliage that's in the New England area, mm-hmm. um, per, particularly like northern, and it's just it's so pretty. Um, but I tried <laughs> and failed <laughs> to go glamping um, in Vermont and. <laughs> Okay. Hear me out. Hear me out. So I'm being quiet over here, honey. I originally was supposed to go to Vermont last week, early in the week. And because of COVID protocols, I had to push it back to this week. And so originally I had booked a, a place at like a hotel well, I don't know, it, it, a lodge, a lodge, if you will. And then I canceled it because one of the people was like, you know, you should book here, get in on the glamping experience. I recommend it. I don't know why in my head I thought to listen to a white woman, um, but here we are. And I decided because I was like, work's paying for it free of charge and I should try it. When else am I going to get and actively get to choose a glamping experience? So I was like, let me do this. And I get to the tent. First of all, it's up on this like big field. Um, so where it's at, it's like map. There's a farmhouse Mm -hmm. in front and you have to go around back and then travel up this hill, uh, Mm -hmm. with this massive field. Mm-mm. Um, to get to the tents and it is a gorgeous view. I can't lie. I felt like Julie Andrews fucking twirling <laughs> and the sound of music. Hills are light. Like, you know, like I, I was in a vibe and I get to the tent and it's hot as fuck inside. Cause obviously like, it's just roasting in, in a closed ass tent and you know, there's a bed and, a couple chairs and stuff like that. And, but there's this huge juicy ass Brown spider just Mm-mm. chilling Mm-mm. in the middle of the tent, like up above on the, on the roof. Yeah. Like it, where the pole is. And so I saw it and, you know, I'm in a new place and I'm like, is this like a, you know, one of those poisonous spiders, you know? So I'm, I'm already a little creeped out, but I'm like, I got to go back to work. So I just leave my stuff and go um, with, with Charlotte. Charlotte's web. Charlotte's web. <laughs> you left your <laughs> I did. I did. And um, then later on that night, because I didn't get done until like 9 p.m., I had to drive back to the campsite and I almost hit a deer because, you know, in rural ass America, there's no. And I had my brights on, but that deer didn't give a fuck. Yeah. It hopped across the lane and I was like, so I was shook, you know, like I'm sitting there and I'm like, holy shit. And so I get out of, you know, the car, I hick up that big ass Julie Andrews ass hill back to my stuff. And then I sit there and I'm like, wow, I have to hike all the way back down to go to the bathroom to basically, you know, wash my face and stuff. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, first of all, ableist. Second of all, I'm like, (laughs) I'm sitting on the edge of the bed. The president 
had offered me because I had just gone to the president's dinner, like at their house. And I was telling them that I was going to try and glamp. It's out of my element. And, you know, she's like, you know, we have a spare bedroom. We leave the door unlocked because as I said, they live in the sticks and they were like, if it just come through that door right up there, the stairs, you can use it. And so I sat on the edge of this little tent ass bed and I was like, I could either wait a couple hours and sneak in and be embarrassed then, or just grab my stuff now and go while you know they're still awake and don't even try and just be embarrassed now. And that's what I did. I grabbed all my stuff. I hiked down that big ass Julie Andrews ass hill and I drove the dark. Yes. And I drove real slow. Um, cause I, God forbid I let alone see a deer, let alone a moose. Um, yeah. Cause there's moose out there too. There will be like alert signs. And, you know, I went to a place that had electricity and I didn't have to climb down a fucking hill, only a set of stairs to have running water. So long story you short, <laughs> I did. Um, and I will never try again. I know my limits now. Um, I am a city girl through and through. So Chill. <laughs> and it <laughs> she texted me, I was like, why bitch? <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna lie. I did post the the Insta story of showing the tent, and literally I had like eight messages of like, what the fuck is that? Where are you? What are you doing? <laughs> and I'm like, at least everyone else knows me um okay when I don't know myself okay um the lack of self-awareness for me (laughs) which I'm normally such a self-aware person I really think I thought I would try I mean I think yeah um noble to like you know step outside of your comfort zone and try new things yeah but I just fucking hate bugs like that's just never gonna leave that's never gonna leave me and so I think honestly if I wouldn't have seen that spider I maybe would have lasted a little bit longer, but I think because in the back no, of my no, mind, imagine that, ooh, ooh, excuse me, the, imagine that motherfucker dangling over your face at night. Right. In the back of my mind, I'm like, what if it decides to make me its next victim? Okay. So I was like, I, I got to get out of here quick, but anyway, long story, but Chelsea, where have you been tripping? <laughs> or where are you tripping to? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So my big conference for my field is going to be in San Juan, Puerto Rico in November. It's going to be in person and I'm excited. I have not been to Puerto Rico before, so I'm excited to go to Puerto Rico for the first time, eat good, network with my people, hopefully bag a job. And yeah, and I said I would talk about a boat. So after I got off that yacht, I immediately DM'd my friend. And I was like, yo, you you trying to get a boat when we go to um, Puerto Rico? So now I've been trying to gather a group of grad higher ed grad students who will be attending ASH. So if you attend ASH, holla at me. You want to go on a boat um, on Sunday? Hit me up. But yeah, I'm going to San Juan, Puerto Rico. Um, I'm very excited. Very excited. Ash is like my favorite conference. So yeah, it's going to be a vibe and half work, half vacation, honey. Would you rather type your dissertation in a cold, dark cubicle or on a balcony, bitch? And I choose the balcony overlooking the ocean. 
Absolutely. Let me see if my room even got a balcony. Probably not, but I'll find some. Yes, we love to see it. But yeah, so that's where I'm going. Um, <laughs> I got to get my outfits together. I got to look like I'm, I'm trying to snatch <laughs> up a job, honey. <laughs> I have like absolutely no fucking, this is just a side note, but I have like no <laughs> like professional clothes or like business cash clothes and I went to first of all I was driving all day um so I'm wearing some comfy shit I I didn't show up in like you know sweatpants but I showed up in a nice little biker short you know matching shirt combo Mm -hmm. with a jean jacket and some tennis shoes because a bitch is trying to be comfy but I did notice that one girl looked me up and down because like I didn't look the part about those dress codes, bitch. Right. I'm just like, uh, it doesn't make me honestly, you upholding the dress code just makes you anti-black. So I'm coming for you, bitch. Um, (laughs) Oh, but transitioning into white people. uh, (laughs) Well, Pano, white people are not okay. Um, Today we are going to be talking about what, <laughs> bitch. No, what? I didn't even read it. I didn't read it. I like to be surprised because we started a new thing where we we each choose a segment to cover. Um, so it's low key kind of a little surprise what we're going to talk about. So I'm just seeing it for the first time. <clears throat> yes. So I found this article today, um, and it is about the 2020 census. Um, and so the 2020 census reveals that white people will become a minority racial population by 2045, um, stating that the majority of Americans right now under the age of 18 now identify as either a person of color or multiracial. Obviously white supremacists are shaking to their core i'm just oh my god like they already are so fragile and you know shaking right now so like in 2045 it's about to be a fucking shit show oh yeah and so god they already want to be oppressed so bad (laughs) oh my gosh and now they're gonna probably use this low number as you know more justification oh my god (laughs) but In this article, it's from CNN and it's called white supremacy, but with a tan and it's by John Blake and uh, title man. Yeah. So, um, one of the first things that they talk about is, you know, don't ever underestimate white supremacy's ability to adapt Mm. the assumption that more racial diversity equals more racial equality is a dangerous myth. Mm. Racial diversity can function as a cloaking device, concealing the most powerful forms of white supremacy while giving the appearance of racial progress. Racism will likely be just as entrenched in a browner America as it is now. It will still be white supremacy, but with a tan. And yeah, John Blake out here snatching y'all edges, honey. (laughs) I was, I was skeptical at first, but I did appreciate the article because I think as someone who I, I do identify as biracial, biracial black. And I think I've done trainings around, you know, just 
how we conceptualize race and racism. So sometimes I'll do activities, um, particularly around colorism or multiracial folks where I'll post photos of different people around. Mm-hmm. And this makes everyone feel uncomfortable, but I think we need to start having honest conversations about societally, how we perceive race, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I'll sit there and be like, okay, so from this who, cause I did a mestizaje ideology presentation, um, which is more colorism, this idea of we're all just one race within the Latinx community. And so I start off with an activity being like, okay, from the photos on the wall and I'll have like white Latinos, brown Latinos, um, or Latinx folks and, you know, Afro Latinx folks. And I'll be like, from, from these photos, who do you think identifies as Latinx? And from that, we, we have a, a conversation around like, why, why did we think that? Because especially they're coming from the mindset of like, oh, she's probably putting in just regular, regular white people, some black people, some racially ambiguous people. So like people are thinking it's a game, but really all of the people I hung up with are Latinx identified. Mm -hmm. So With that, I'm like, we, we do have this idea, especially when I've done other activities like this, um, that, you know, a more multiracial America is going, is going to equate to a more, um, anti-racist society or white supremacy will be abolished. And as if you've listened to our show, you know, that no matter if white people, (laughs) (laughs) fuck people of color or have mixed children or whatever. Like it doesn't abolish the racism and anti-blackness that exists. So it's a, yeah. The amount of people being born does not overturn centuries of white supremacy. Like the the amount of people existing (laughs) in this wretched country does not abolish (laughs) they're like or overturn we, like <laughs> centuries of white supremacy they're i mean like, i wish it did <laughs> they're like if we just create more like of a mixed race where we more racially ambiguous people and that's we, where these diversity conversations and organizations and institutions are so dangerous because mm-hmm. you think by diversifying your um environment like you're you're changing but, the climate and but none like of the structure, still, all of the st- same structures still exist. Yeah, systemically, it's still operating the same way. The the landscape or the human aggregate just looks different, but it doesn't change the system. And so like mm-hmm. getting away from this idea that diversity is, you know, the, the answer, it might be a, a starting place, a place. I wouldn't even say a starting place. It's a place. But you can't maintain that diversity if you're not creating a sustainable environment for them to be retained. Systemic change, it can't can't happen. Like what this country is built on and arguably what this world operates on in most places, like is a system of white supremacy. Absolutely. So it's just like, no matter what is happening, just like I'm like, I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this is, um, I think like Christianity is not the, is not, it, Christianity is not the most like 
popular religion it's islam okay but look at us and look at the and And look at the hate and islamophobia that takes place right and so it's also like what in a lot of christianity is rooted in white supremacy um it was used as a justification for enslaving africans it was used as a justification of reform schools for indigenous folks And it's always been used as a justification of this white savior complex that we use to go overseas and mission trips. Y'all love to go mission trips. Right. So it, there, there is a, and I would argue that a lot of Islam is actually adopted and practiced by folks of color, um, which if we're just looking at the analysis between, you know, white supremacy and religion, one of them doesn't look as white as the other. Ooh, I, I, this is kind of off topic, but the same. It was like, uh, it was a TikTok and it's like, what's one thing that white people can't wrap their head around? Um, but that's a fact. And it was like that there are no white people in the Bible. <laughs> ah, it's so true. <laughs> But they they have to see themselves reflected. I mean, they use this entire book to justify all the violence they've ever done historically. So, I mean, but yeah, they'll never admit to that. Never. Um, But going into that, um, the article goes on to talk about whiteness being elastic and claiming that the white identity is not a fixed racial category and is malleable to expand citing books like how the Irish became white and working towards whiteness, which we know, like there came a point in history where yes, and this is for the folks that always love the arguments of indentured servants, indentured servants, particularly Irish folks, Italians, and uh, these white ethnic categories were afforded because white supremacists and like early governors and government folks and rich, wealthy, white, wealthy folks realized that in order to continue to enslave and oppress black people, Mm -hmm. they were like, we need more people on our side. And so they stopped their petty little, if anyone watches Peaky Blinders, then you know that like white white violence does not just ex- like exist around exactly. people of color like they also hate one another like the italians versus the white jews versus like you know the fucking british versus the irish versus the scottish i'm like Ooh, holy child. shit i'm like y'all just hate like <laughs> literally are just bred like, to hate. but they really was like they was really fighting each other to colonize the world the continent yes. of africa like the the <laughs> portuguese fighting the italians mm-hmm. and the french the spanish fighting the span like <laughs> y'all would do anything to be on top honey mm-hmm. and i'm just like sitting there and i'm like oh my god and it's so true right so like i could imagine at 2045 Um, And this goes into my next point, but 2045, all of a sudden, some other racial category might pop up or something else might pop up to not allow for the white race to, to become a minority. Right. And so the, 
the author goes on to talk about whiteness potentially laying in the hands of Latinx populations, citing the history of colorism, mm. interracial marriages, and the rise of white Latinx identified Ooh, folks. Um, honey, this sound like a good read. Yeah, and and it it was making me think, and it makes sense, right? This idea for um, what is it, Latina dad, and like um la raza and like the race and we're all mixed and mestizaje and all this stuff and not the recognition of how colorism and race has played out in a lot of latinx communities and cultures and just around the world right and we even see now with the recent voting of trump that a lot of latinx identified folks voted for trump Trump. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we're even seeing the shift of like wanting to, even if racially and societally people don't view you as white, it's still this wanting of whiteness and white supremacy yes, and wanting to be right. And so, um, it was a pretty, pretty decent article. And so he ends with, um, talking about, um, saying a multiracial America will not save us. Right. We know this. And, um, the modern concept of race has been used too long to enslave and exploit. If we continue to underestimate the resilience of white supremacy, it is a shape shifter that can adapt to any environment. It survived a revolution whose leaders declared all men are equal the civil war, the civil rights movement, several racial reckonings, and the nation's first black president. It keeps on keeping on. That motherfucker spitting. Yeah. And so I I just want to let all the folks know that are, you know, sitting there thinking that all of their biracial babies or multiracial families or interracial relationships are make them a not racist or b are creating a better world or you know all of these things and even sometimes this happens in black communities where like they'll specifically want to be with white people because they think you know their child having lighter skin or lighter eyes or lighter features uh, will afford them a better life right and yeah. some of that some of that is true in some aspect because colorism exists, but that will not save us. That will not get to the actual structures that exist that allow for colorism to persist, you know, like it will not, it will not actually dismantle anything that is making us think that aspiring to whiteness or intermingling with whiteness or trying to have some sort of racial ambiguity is going to grant us a better life. Um, and this melting pot mentality (laughs) when literally we, we have so many fucking, like we're, we're fighting over borders right now. Right. I fucking hate that term melting pot. Yeah, no, it's disgusting because it's like, if I had a choice, I would not want to be, am I I a pot of fondue? Like what the, (laughs) okay. I'm glad I'm not the only person. I low-key think the chicken noodle soup because like that's the whitest food I can think of but <laughs> remember when they used to have a this is just a side note but remember when they used to have that restaurant that did have the fondue they still like, have it. it's called the melting pot oh my god <laughs> I <didn't> even... <laughs> bitch I've never gone there maybe mm. what they're gonna 
to serve me up a, a pot of brie for $50? Yes. Like they give you, this is off topic. We'll talk about it online, but it's disgusting. Just uh, like the term. <laughs> oh my God. But go on. Damn, bitch. <laughs> I keep doing this. Damn. The short term memory. Academic brain. Yeah, but I thought it was a really interesting article because um, I think we all have thought about it because this this has been a common thing. Um, National Geographic talked about it like literally 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like we we've been preparing for this moment, I think, as America becomes more diverse in all of these things just since the fucking inception of America. Um, but it's still always framed around this fear of white people. Like, where is, where is, where is the census article being like, wow, black population still exists at this or, oh, wow. Like, you know, there, (laughs) there's this small of a population of Somalis somewhere. Like, I don't know. Like, it's just, why is it still framed around? So even an article like this. Centering whiteness. Yeah. Yes. in centering white feelings, white, white projections, like all of these things, like placating to the white gaze. Like we are sitting there being like, Hey y'all, maybe you should start fucking like one another because, you know, just in case you keep having these racially ambiguous babies, the <laughs> white race might die out. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, sure what? if there was five of y'all left, y'all would still find a way, honey. Oh, <laughs> There was five of them all on this planet. Y'all would find a way to colonize and reign supreme, honey. I guarantee that. <laughs> As we said, it's elastic. So it, it will come with multiple faces and forms, baby. So. who has mm, That was a good one, friend. Yeah, yeah. But James, John Blake. I'm thinking James Blake like the singer. John Blake was spitting. Shout out to you, John. <laughs> Ooh. But as always, we're going to finish it off with a, a little ho tip. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have a, a double whammy, more bonus content today. We have two ho tips for you all. The first one is stop with the fat phobia, you simpletons. Just we had the brilliant Janae do on here mm-hmm. to educate you all. Um. Mm-hmm. stop just stop with the fat phobia let it go enough and I think it's also like stop with the fat phobia like that you project onto others but I think it's like I really you encourage you all fat phobia too, baby. yeah that's like I really encourage you all like me and Chelsea were having a conversation uh before we started recording just about like you know working out and like our bodies and like Chelsea was talking about, like, you can't beat genetics sometimes like, and you know, as we talked about in the, in the infamous Janae do episode on fat phobia, um, like health is a a social construct and like also a lot of fitness or health standards will never be achieved by people that like physically cannot get there. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, so if we're thinking about ableism, if we're thinking about 
folks, uh, genetics, like just like literal science and like folks that will never be able to get to this ideal form of health. health. Mm -hmm. And so I, I encourage you all to stop putting that pressure on yourself because as I, as I was sharing with Chelsea, I was looking at, um, one of my really old nudes the other day, because, you know, the only competition you really have is yourself. And I, <laughs> <laughs> but I was looking at it and, um, I was like 19 at the time. And literally I look at my body and like, a, I look in I mean, I am young, but like, I'm like kid, like, you know, cause I think it's also toppled by the fact that I'm just so thin. Mm -hmm. It's almost like unrecognizable. Um, and I used to, well, let me not say that I used to always think about my weight, but like, not, not from a, I just need to be thin stance. I think like I've always come to accept the fact that I'm just always going to be thick. Like I've just always been that. So, but I think I was looking back at the, the photo and it's sad because back then I, I still looked at that and I thought it was fat. And so I do encourage folks who work out all the time or have these goals that they want to get to and all that stuff. It's like, will you truly actually look at yourself once you reach that goal and think enough is enough or like I've made it, or this is, this is it. Yeah. Or will it always be truly like, I, I will not stop until I am the thinnest I can be. Um, which I would argue is not actually healthy, you know? So stop with the fat phobia. Um, but also stop with the internalized fat phobia because I want better for y'all. Um, and this isn't to say like, don't ever work out or don't, you know, eat the foods that make you feel healthy and all that stuff. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying like, you shouldn't be doing it with the intention to like be the thinnest possible or to, you know, reach this ideal of skinniness and thinness that, honestly has it's rooted in white supremacy and whiteness like yeah and and now white girls want to be want to be looking like thick black women so like really uh, why are we trying to aspire to look like something they're not even trying to look like no more right 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 thank you so anyway i'll get off my high horse and we'll go into the next ho tip Thank you for sharing that, friend. The next ho tip is something that is near and dear both to Rachel and I. Um, but if you are <laughs> over the age of 25, um, please develop a skincare routine. It doesn't have to be complex. It doesn't have to be expensive. But like your skin is your biggest organ. Um, and, you know, t- take care of it. Like wash your face with something more than water. Mm -hmm. um a little balance the ph on your face you know whether that be a little little rose water spray a little toner a little swipe swipe of witch hazel whatever is accessible to you um and then just moisturize yeah it doesn't have to be the whole 10 step serum routine if you if you do want to do that because i i I (laughs) okay i only have three (laughs) However, I will say, I just watched this Explained episode. <laughs> I love Explained. It's literally yeah, a visual Wikipedia. episode 
like one night, but I fell asleep on it because I was just watching it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that shit, but they were talking about our skin and, um, I just love learning the science behind shit. And they were talking about how anti-aging, they were talking about the six uh, fundamental things to like skincare. One of them was toner. One of them was something else. One of them was anti-aging. And scientifically, the only thing that has been verified is retinol. Um, which I know not everyone can use. However, if you are looking at anti-aging, which we are not ageist out here, but if you are looking at doing anti-aging serums, the only thing scientifically backed is retinol. Um, however, I use other things as well. I started using this, uh, I use a lot of the ordinary. Yeah, me too. Um, and so I've started using their argyroline solution and then mixing it with their matrixol solution. And I've been putting it on my like deep lines and wrinkles. And I will say I have seen a difference. So that's just a shout out, but I agree with Chelsea. It really doesn't have to be like, it's literally just face wash, toner, moisturizer. Oh, and sunscreen, sunscreen, sunscreen. If you want to cancel a step, get a moisturizer with sunscreen in it. Yep. I'm going to, I'm going to highlight something on our social media, like a little quick target Walmart, even dollar, dollar general family dollar, um, skincare routine. No, so serious because you, you all know that we love our skincare and it's taken us dark hyperpigmentation where, yeah, I can't see it. Can't see it. Okay. Yes. Okay. Look, look, I'm just saying, and especially for me, seeing as my melanin is absent, okay, I need to take this seriously. <laughs> yeah, because my sis, my black will raisin, crack, okay? <laughs> I don't want my sis to be looking like a piece of old leather. So. <laughs> chewed up jerky, okay? Chewed up piece of, piece of spearmint. Uh, yes nah we gotta keep the collagen yes and we say over the age of 25 because like honestly that's your body starts changing we're both over Mm -hmm. 25 and we can speak to that i think you're not in the youth maybe it has something to do with your prefrontal cortex i don't know honey but (laughs) at 25 shit start going down up side to side up and down round and round so take care of your skin it's if you can put three um types of oil and lotion on your feet you can do something to your face and on that note thank you for tuning into another episode of two happy hoes keep it classy and sometimes trashy hoes bye hey hoes we now have a new way for you to connect with us. Our website, www.twohappyhoes.com, is a one-stop shop to view all of our new and past content, resources, and guest info from each episode, a collection of all of our POC business shoutouts, merch, and more. Our website is the next best way to connect with us outside of social media. And do you want an all-access pass to everything Two Happy O's related? I know I do. Sign up for our email subscription where we can send you our podcast snapshot filled with exclusive glimpses of all of our upcoming episodes, new content, and special announcements before anyone else. So head over to www.twohappyhose.com today to check us out and connect with us. Again, that's the number two, happyhose, H-E-A-U-X-E-S.com. We can't wait to hear from you all.